We are personally responsible for our sin, our sin. A lot of people don't think that there is sin, but there is. That's a very good point. We'll talk about that in about five minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Henry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering God's Word, wonderful Word, and we're going to teach on that in five minutes in just a moment, uh, probably 20 minutes. Corey and Ryan are going to talk. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at the nation of Cush because it's mentioned a few times here in Zephaniah. Ryan? Today, Zephaniah pronounces divine judgment against Judah for her idolatrous behavior. And my segment details some of the specific debaucheries that were going on. Very interesting, Ryan. That's excellent. Okay, Janice, what'd you do? One word today, restoration. All right, restoration. That's very interesting. That's coming up in about 25 minutes. So take your Bible guide out, turn to today's passage. We're talking about Zephaniah chapter one. Let's listen to what the Lord says. Zephaniah 1, 7 through 18. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. In the same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Mactesh, for all the merchant people are cut down and those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, The Lord will do no good, nor will he do evil. Therefore their goods shall become booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse." Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 7 through 18. 
Zephaniah chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. Zephaniah's genealogy listed in one one suggests that he was a royal prophet or a royal prophet from the lineage four generations back to King Hezekiah. Can you believe that? Well, Zephaniah prophesied sometime between 640 and 612 BC, the time when King Josiah reigned in Jerusalem. Now, his book begins with a condemnation because of the corruption of the people and the systems of Jerusalem. And he leaves with us a tender mercy and blessing and care of God in the day of the Lord. He urges people to seek God alone in humility and righteousness. Now, King Josiah's father was Amnon, who was a wicked man. As his father, Manasseh, was horrible before him. And that may help to explain the corrupt and evil ways of Judah when Josiah took the throne. Josiah, however, ruled differently, and it was different. He chose to love the Lord early in his life, to listen to the prophets of God, and he is responsible for the last great revival of Judah. In fact, it is my belief that there was no other king quite like him. Zephaniah did not soften the words of God, but spoke what God revealed to him. There would be a great cost for sin in judgment, but restoration for those who repented and who turned to God was absolutely outstanding. You know, Josiah was an amazing king, but this is a prophet who prophesied during a time when the king was great, but the people were led astray. Very, very interesting, you know. And as we look at these first three chapters, chapter one, we see the great day of the Lord as it's presented in the scripture. And then in chapter two, we see the judgment on the nations. And then, of course, we see in chapter three, the wickedness of Jerusalem presenting itself. And then, of course, the faithful remnant and then joy in God's faithfulness. These are all things that we see in this book called Zephaniah. I find it fascinating. And as we begin to read, we're going to start with verse 7 and go to 18. Take your Bible guide out, turn to it. If you don't have a Bible guide, call or write, or go to Bible Discovery TV where you can get yours, and it downloads a PDF file. And let me say thank you for writing to us and sending your donations. This is so great. We don't ask that uh, you give a specific amount. We ask that you pray about it, ask what God would have you do. Father, we pray today, help them to... Give according to what you have told them in Jesus' wonderful name. And Lord, we continue to pray for what we're going to study today. We're all responsible. Help us to hear from your word that, yeah, we're, we're responsible. Everybody's talking about freedom, freedom, freedom. But Lord, we are responsible as Christians, as people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we want to do is take our responsibility up and say, yes, Lord. Because I know, Father, and we know you're coming. And when you come, it'll be very, very different. And so in Jesus' name, help us to understand the word today. And we all said together, amen and amen. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to look at the scripture. And as we look at the scripture, we're going to see in Zephaniah 7, 1, 7 says, Be silent in the presence of the Lord God. Did you look at that? Did you see that? Be silent in the presence of the Lord 
of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guest. And it shall be in the day of the Lord, a sacrifice, the Lord's sacrifice, that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. In the name or in the same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate and a wailing from the second quarter and, and a loud crashing from the hills. Which brings me to the first point. We are personally responsible for our sins. Personally. We should ask God to forgive us of our sins and willingly give our lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, we don't try to blame our sin on somebody else or say, you know, I stubbed my toe when I was little because my brother pushed me and, you know, I'm going to sue him and all that. That's not what we do. As Christians, we take responsibility for what's happened to us and we say, Lord, help us. And do you know what God does? He heals us. Absolutely true. And so, beloved, we take responsibility for our sin and say, Lord, help us. Take responsibility today. It's very important. Bring it to God in Jesus' name. Zephaniah 1 verse 11. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktesh, for all of the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Therefore, their goods shall become booty and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. Interesting. So those who do not believe God will judge their sins are foolish. We should give our lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we are judged by the work of Jesus Christ, beloved. It is Christ and his work in us that God sees. That's why you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Very simple. So, Father, help us today. We give our hearts to you. Forgive us of our sin and be the Lord of our life. We believe you died on the cross and rose again. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Beloved, that's the sinner's prayer. We need to pray it. And if you don't know the Lord and you've just given your life to him, then write to us and tell us. Zephaniah 1, 14 to 18 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There is a there is mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities, against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuge. They shall neither, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them 
in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all of those who dwell in the land. Now that brings me to this point. God will judge the land peoples for their rebellious sin. No amount of money will help them in the judgment of the Lord. Christians do not move forward on money, <laughs> but on faith in Jesus Christ. Christians do not move forward on money, but in faith in Jesus Christ. Now the Lord uses resources to help us go forward. So beloved, let us keep our hearts correct. Our hearts are with the Lord and the Lord tells us everything. So in Jesus name, we give him everything we have and that is his provision to use us to decide where it goes. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. You know, as soon as we begin reading the book of Zephaniah, we're given some really interesting clues as to Zephaniah's identity, as to who he was related to. So it's very unusual uh, that a, a, a person, a prophet, would give us more than one generation. Generally, it's, you know, uh, the person's name, son of, and, and, and then the father's name or the grandfather's name. But in Zephaniah's case, he brings it back a few generations generations until he hits Hezekiah. So this, this seems to indicate that he is of the royal line of Judah. He's of the royal line of David. But interestingly, his father's name is said to be Cushai. And he mentions the nation of Cush a couple of times uh, in his prophecies. He seems to have, um, you know, a, a, not a fascination with, but a, a, an interest in what God has to say about the nation of of Cush. So this has led people to speculate that perhaps Zephaniah was uh, part Cushite. So let's take a look at the nation of Cush and see what we can learn about them. The nation of Cush was located south of Egypt along the Nile River and is referenced 54 times in the Bible. The Egyptian name for Cush meant land of the bow, and although it may reference the obvious turning of the Nile River into the shape of a bow through Cush's land, it also references what seems to have been the Cushite's weapon of choice. An early grave excavated in Cush housed an occupant that was buried with his bow in hand, and a series of 40 small statues depicting Cushite archers was unearthed in an Egyptian tomb. From written records, Cush became known for their military training. Cushites served as mercenaries in many different armies. The Amarna letters tell of Cushite troops manning Egyptian military outposts in Canaan, which would have put them face to face with Israelites in the time of the conquest and judges. By the time of King David, there were Cushites in Israel's army as well. After the defeat and death of David's son Absalom, it was a Cushite soldier who told David the news. Sometimes, however, the Israelites and Cushites found themselves on opposite sides. During the reign of Judah's King Asa, a war was fought and won against Zerah the Cushite. 
During the days of Hezekiah, an alliance was struck with the kings of Cush, who had also become kings of Egypt. In the 8th century BC, the kings of Cush successfully invaded Egypt, claimed kingship, and established the 25th dynasty of Egypt. These Cushite pharaohs established trade with the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser, who wanted Cushite horses for his military chariots. Evidence from Assyria even suggests that they employed Cushites in the keeping and training of these horses. But this trade didn't keep peace between Cushite Egypt and Assyria. Pharaoh Terhaka, a Cushite pharaoh named in the Bible, was King Hezekiah's ally and marched against Assyria when they attacked Judah. Though Terhaka was the last Cushite pharaoh, Cush continued on in their military importance, and Ebed-Melech, a Cushite working as a high official in Jerusalem, had the power to confront King Zedekiah, change his mind, and rescue the prophet Jeremiah. Now, another reason why it is a, a reasonable explanation that Zephaniah may have been part Cushite is because his great-grandfather Hezekiah, we know through reading about Hezekiah and the allegiances that he made, we read about them in the, the book of the prophet Isaiah. We know that Hezekiah made a, a, a peace treaty with the nation of Cush. He had an allegiance with them, an allyship with them. And often in the ancient world, these allyships are sealed with marriages between the royal sons and daughters. So uh, Zephaniah is related to Hezekiah. We know that Hezekiah made a treaty with Cush. So potentially uh, Zephaniah is a product of a marriage alliance between the house of Hezekiah and the house of Cush. It is speculation, but it's a reasonable one. And nevertheless, he was from the, he seems to be from the royal line. He definitely uh, is from the royal line, yes. So he seems to be. So this is really interesting because that's, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. We don't have time to talk about it, but we'll go further later on, right? All right, well, today my segment documents some of the despicable practices and cultic rituals that the southern kingdom of Judah had adopted from the pagan nations around them. And I know Zephaniah has already recorded these in his book, but in order to fully understand the extent of some of these debaucheries, we need to do further study. For instance, the prophet mentions the worship of Milcom, but doesn't tell us exactly what horrific acts that worship entailed. He also says that some of the leaders of Judah were arraying themselves in foreign attire. And he also mentions that some were even leaping over thresholds. Now, while Zephaniah definitely gives us a clear picture of the evil that was going on in Judah, understanding some more of the details makes Zephaniah's account even clearer. So let's do some digging. Through the writings of King Hezekiah's great-great-grandson, Zephaniah, the Lord pronounced judgment against the house of David, declaring, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord, or inquire of him. I will also punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire, and everyone who leaps over the threshold, and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. 
the southern Israelite kingdom of Judah had unfortunately gone the way of her sister in the north by worshipping other gods and adopting the despicable practices and cultic rituals that came along with that. For example, Zephaniah 1.5 specifically mentions worship of the god Milcom. Also known as Molech, this was the main deity of the Ammonites and was linked to child sacrifice. Zephaniah also mentioned that there were leaders in Judah who had arrayed themselves in foreign attire. Assyrian priests often wore high-flared headdresses, so the prophet is likely condemning those who imitated and welcomed the Assyrians in Judah. Zephaniah also records an unusual practice in which some people would leap over the threshold of a building. In the ancient Near East, it was often believed that evil spirits could enter temples and homes through windows and doors, especially if someone was to step on the threshold. This could be why the Assyrians often buried sacred objects below their thresholds, and this may all connect back to the episode recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 5, in which the statue of the god Dagon fell face down on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant. As a result of that fall, the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold of the temple. And as the Bible explains, this is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. It seems the people of Judah thought it was okay to share their worship of God with other foreign deities, but God had explicitly warned them in the Ten Commandments that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I the Lord your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So Zephaniah records that Judah was worshiping Milcom, also known as Molech, which we learned in the segment involved sacrificing their children. We also learned that the leaders were dressing themselves in foreign clothing, probably in imitation of the Assyrian priests, who were known to wear high-flared headdresses. We also discovered that the superstitious act of leaping over the threshold was a common practice in the ancient Near East due to the belief that stepping on thresholds would somehow allow evil spirits to enter temples and homes through windows and doors. You know, sadly, Judah didn't change her evil ways even after witnessing the divine destruction of northern Israel. On the contrary, they were more than happy to engage in all such debaucheries and more. And so it's no wonder why God eventually brought an end to it all. Yeah, it's really important uh, to remember that. And uh, so thank you, Ryan. Tell us about understanding salt at the beginning. Yes. All right, so I put together a six-week Bible study. Uh, the idea behind it is for small group Bible studies that generally start up again about this time of year. But of course, if you want to do it yourself, that's more than okay. You can get a hold of this uh, Bible study on Saul, either by calling us, writing to us, or going onto our website. It's available as a physical copy like this, and it's also available as a digital download for a suggested donation of $60 to the ministry to keep things running. All right. Thank you, Corey. Very good. Jen? 
Yes, well, restoration is what I titled my segment today, Zephaniah chapter one. You know, really what I wanted to do was encourage you today. You know, the prophet Zephaniah here, he used forceful words to describe God's judgment. He's talking about the great day of the Lord, but he also spoke to the people and to our us as readers today about the restoration that God brings. God is faithful and God is merciful. And to those who repent, who turn towards him, there is restoration. So I I just want you, as we're going through the the minor prophets and, and the books happen quickly and we hear about judgments and we hear about turn and repent and come home, I wanna encourage you today. You might feel as though you have drifted away from God. Maybe you feel like you've gone too far and you can't come back, that that God God somehow won't forgive you. You know, if you're feeling that today, if that's you that I'm speaking to, come back home to the Lord. Ask God for his forgiveness. Call on his name. Jesus came for that very purpose, to save the lost, to save us who are broken so that he can restore us to our Father in heaven. That's God. He has done that for us. So, Come back, come back to the Lord today. And as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, when we look around this world, you know, he hasn't left us alone. Don't be discouraged. Know that what we see happening in the world today, I believe God has laid out for us in his word. And you know what? It is going according to his word. And so be encouraged. God is in control. God is the creator. God has everything in his hands, including you and me. And so don't feel like you are alone. He is working in the world. He is working in our hearts even now, but we need to make ourselves available to him. We need to come to him every day in prayer. We need to come to his word and ask Holy Spirit to help us as we read his word, to to show us and to teach us to get it into our hearts so that we can be the demonstration of the love of God to our neighbors and to our world, that we can be leaders, we can be those encouragers. And uh, we need to just live our lives to follow after the, the Lord. And that's an important thing for us to know his word, get it into our hearts and apply it in our lives. So be encouraged today. If you've slipped off the path a little bit, turn around, come back to the Lord, ask him to forgive you, and he will. He is merciful and always willing to do that if you come to him in trueness of heart. Today, I want to remind you that at 3.30 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday Eastern Time in North America, uh, we are live on the air on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery TV doing a prayer meeting for an hour long. We invite you to join us. We're going to pray for the world events and we're going to pray for our personal needs. We look forward to praying for you. Right now, we need to pray. And Father, we need to learn how to trust you. 
we love you, Lord, but we need to learn how to trust you. Help us, Father, today to do so.